Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. On this episode, I sat down with Will Enix, and he is a white hat hacker. So he is on the side of the good guys and goes in and tinkers around in the uh, computers uh, for corporations and such and finds their vulnerabilities so that they can be protected against uh, other groups who are maybe not so nice. Um, That's the most simplistic way I could have put that, I suppose. Uh, I am running behind this week. I'm so sorry. So this episode is posting late on this Monday. Um, But here it is nonetheless. You guys know all the usual stuff. Social media, Hey Human Podcast. You can email me, Susan, at Hey Human Podcast. If you shop on Amazon, please go to the heyhumanpodcast.com website. And at the top of the page, on the homepage there, is the Amazon affiliate link. If you click on that and do your shopping as normal, it helps support Hey Human, which would be fantastical. Please rate and review Hey Human on iTunes. And also, don't forget to check out links on the link page on Hey Human Podcast and um dot com and especially for this episode because will talks about ways to protect yourself and your computer and there's just interesting information on the links page so check that out okay nothing else from me here it is episode 88 with will enix thanks everybody will enix welcome to hey human podcast it's good to be here thanks for being on the show you are a let me see a certified ethical hacker. Is that a correct terminology? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess. Uh, You're a white lighter. <laughs> right, white hat, ethical hacker, security consultant. Just kind of, you know. Yeah. Who really even knows? I'm not me. That's what why I'm means. here to ask you because no. I don't know anything about it much other than. Uh, so I did a little research as yeah. one is want to do, and it's. Uh, 2016 data breaches increased by 40%. That seems like a giant leap. Yeah. And then I scrolled down this. I was like, oh my gosh. So Xbox, Intercontinental, Arby's, River City Media, Veriforce, Dun and Bradstreet. I don't even know what that is. Saks Fifth Avenue, UNC Healthcare, America's Job Link, the IRS Data Retrieval Tool, FAFSA, Chipotle, Gmail, DocuSign, Kmart, Brooks Brothers, Verizon, Whole Foods. Equifax, which everyone knows about, Washington State University, Blue Cross Blue Shield. My God, all those places got hacked. Uber just reported yesterday. Yeah, and then Uber gets yeah. added to the list. Which, I mean, I guess it happened in 2015 or 16, but they didn't tell anybody. Okay, so now here's Surprise. the... Yeah, how can they get away with not telling anybody that? How um, is that legal? Well, I mean... Or is it? Yeah, I mean, it's not really. Okay. I mean, it, it depends, right? It's all... Some of it's state-specific. Yeah. In terms of... What they're allowed to... Yeah, I mean, states have... I mean, there's specific regulations, right? Like if you're a bank, yeah. you're FFIC, you're FDIC. If you're medical, you're HIPAA. But, you know, um, and then there's also state, like, breach laws. Like, Tennessee has its own set oh. of, you know, if you have X amount of information on people and there's... Um, you know, a compromise of their data or somehow it gets leaked, right? Could be, it couldn't be, it might not be a hacker. It might just be somebody leaves a laptop on some bleachers somewhere oh, yeah. and it has a bunch of information on it, right? Sure. But each state kind of has its own laws for releasing that type of stuff. Yeah. But they obviously should have, you know, they should have reported it. It's a, it's a, a big deal that. It's a major do. big deal. But yeah. as is for all of these companies that seem to wait a while before they get the word out mm-hmm. or sell stock. Everybody, I mean, you know, you would like to, obviously people would prefer it not to get out. Sure. They would like to rather deal with it, right? But I think there's a big push for transparency. Mm-hmm. You know, like what gives, if you're my healthcare provider, what gives you the right to tell someone else my social security number without me knowing about it? Sure. You know, unless it's stated and you don't have the authority to do what you want with my information. Yeah. Right, so. It is pretty sketchy. Yeah, there's a big there's a big push. There's a big push, you know, there's been progress made. It's funny that um, <clears throat> breaches and ransomware and things like that have done way more for actual data security in the last year or two than all the regulations have and 
20 years before that. Ransomware is the thing where something on your computer takes over your computer and then mm -hmm. they say you have to pay us XYZ and we'll release. Yeah. I assume they, they prey more on companies than on individual citizens for that or just no, depends? No, not really. It's just, you know, they're, uh, most people, they're just trying to make a dollar. It's all about the money. They're yeah. not really trying to distinguish. They don't even care what the information is, I suppose. Mm -mm. No. Not usually because that's, they would rather just someone else value it and pay them hmm. and you know so should people okay let's before i dig into yeah this, yeah so there's a lot there's a lot there's there. a lot okay no, so lot. let's start at the beginning so yeah. you found as a young person that you had an aptitude for computers and then mm -hmm. did you hack into something and someone came along and said hey you shouldn't do that but here's this job i mean how does that work mm -hmm. when you know that you have this talent for things that could be nefarious and right. then decide not to, to, to use it for evil, but to use it for good. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it just starts with, at a fundamental level, like you boil it all down, it's just uh, curiosity. Right. Right? How does, that, how does that work? And, you know, someone who's interested in computers, it might manifest itself in another way than someone who's interested in something else, art, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but, so I grew up with computers around because my dad owned some radio stations and so we had stuff like that so I was tinkering on computers at a pretty young age and you know got into um, some like first-person shooter computer games like mm -hmm. Counter-Strike namely and mm -hmm. like uh, middle school and high school and so you know that being in those circles people like build their own computers so they can you know play games and so I did that and so that's kind of um, got a job doing working for a small computer consulting company in high school, mm -hmm. and so it kind of started there, and then kind of slowly, slowly kind of morphed. You know, did you were you tempted to do bad things? No, I mean not really. You know, bad things, but not um, like war games where you hack into the right. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> there was. You think about talk about movies, like obviously. Uh, one of the movies of the 90s was that movie Hackers, mm -hmm. right? That had Angelina Jolie in it and Matthew Lillard and, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, that was kind of a, I love that movie when I was a young kid, right? Because yeah. it's, you know, computer-esque, even though it has really, it's nothing close to reality, like what computer hacking is in reality. It's more about the, uh, the, the philosophy, right? Sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's definitely probably played a part in me eventually making my way onto the security side of it. Mm -hmm. um, but before I did just focus on security, it was all infrastructure, network design. You know, so just like all the computer systems that run any day-to-day -day business. Switches and servers and, you know, places to store your files so that everybody can access them and mm -hmm. firewalls and security is, a, you know, a piece there. Um, is, is coding a computer, I mean, it's mathematics, zeros and ones, right? I don't know a lot about yeah. it, but in, given that it's, it has a language, I know mm -hmm. there are several different languages within the computer speak, but, mm -hmm. but how is it that there, that there are people that are able to develop something to lock someone out when it's just still using zeros and ones? How are they coming up with a new way to write the code to make your job more difficult? Um, well, like, are you like specifically about ransomware, like some sure, that as I an mean, example? Yeah, that's an um, example, I suppose. Well, you know, with with ransomware being an example, it pretty much just leverages the fact that there is that strong encryption exists, right? That you can, you know, take um, a file mm -hmm. and encrypt it, which mm -hmm. is essentially, like you said, just a. Uh, a, a mathematical function or an algorithm that you apply to it mm -hmm. that essentially makes it unreadable, mm -hmm. essentially locks it. And you have to have a key to unlock it, right? Um, and so because we, we have strong encryption these days, um, if someone gains access to certain files and encrypts them with their own key, then no, no one can access them unless they get the key, right? Mm. And that's essentially how ransomware works just like you would think of you holding a, a physical person or item ransom and putting them behind a locked door in a locked building that only you have the key to right you so know? cryptography that's that's just there's no way to really break through it it's yeah i mean there's definitely there's kind of different levels right um there's 
a level of cryptography that you might be safe from your average Joe. And then there's probably a different level of crypt cryptography that it would take to be safe from like the NSA, right? If they actually wanted to, because they have lots of competing power and resources sure. and, you know, not the typical, you know, the typical person isn't going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to protect themselves. Right. Right. Or to, to break into a set of information. Right. Um, that, you know, your normal person would. But the government, if they, if they deem it valuable enough, they can, they can uh, put substantial resources there. Well, but even so. Data is super valuable, correct? Everything, yeah. what we buy, where we go, what we do, what we think, what we surf for, the porn we like, you know, all the stuff, that's all valuable to someone somewhere. Yeah. And it's now, that, that's a commodity that's sold Right? Yeah. But in sort of an underworldy type of way. Well, yeah, and not even just. You I mean, know, I know there is that. Even, yeah, there is, there is that. And there's a huge, you know, market for those types of things. But even, um, like I was just reading the other day about companies like Facebook and other shopping sites that, um, whether it's in browser or a part of, you know, Facebook's application, that they scrape text on posts that you never submit. How do you mean? Right. So, like, say you get mad and you type up this tirade on Facebook and then you decide to sleep on it and get up and be like, ah, probably not good for me to post that. So, it never actually goes anyway, to the public. Yeah. Right? But they still have a way of storing that. Holy moly, really? Yeah. Um, and the same thing with websites. Oh, like, really? if you go through, you know, um, so analytics companies that try to help people determine, like... Um, Say you were checking out on the website, but you abandoned your cart. You didn't finish the checkout process. Mm -hmm. People want to know why. Why didn't you finish the checkout process? Because they're wanting to fix whatever it is that was that bottleneck between you and the purchase. Makes sense. So there's companies that exist around those types of analytics and that type of data. Um, but some of the ways that it's collected is um, if people knew how it was being collected, they would probably say, yeah, it's pretty intrusive on my privacy. Right, because mm -hmm. in, in some in, in kinda it comes full circle when these companies collect this data but they do it insecurely to where they they scrape the data but it doesn't get sanitized. So your full credit card information or your full social security number that you type in one form actually gets taken and stored somewhere and then transferred somewhere else mm. in an insecure fashion, even though maybe the, the checkout on the website that you're originally putting it into was secure. Well, that's terrifying. So, so there's all <laughs> these things, right? Yeah. But what is the likelihood? I mean, I know that people get hacked, their information gets hacked. It's mm -hmm. happened to my mom because she's, yeah. you know, she she clicks on, I'm like, mom, stop clicking on things or you don't know where they come from, mm -hmm. you know? But uh, what is the likelihood of somebody having their identity, you know, of it getting that far. I mean, I think about that with the Equifax breach. I was one of the people that was breached. Yeah. So one in three Americans, it was yeah. pretty much, or maybe even higher yeah. at this point. Yeah, because not counting kids. If you, like, take sure. the kids who probably, you know, don't have that, they're not doing credit checks on Children. kids. Yeah, it's but they have their information. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, so what are, do you, do you know percentages of, bad people getting a hold of that, taking on new identities, things like this? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's most of the criminals out there that are in this business, it's they're purely about money, mm -hmm. dollar revenue generation. They don't actually want your information. They're not trying to become you or anything. Yeah. Not, not, not unless they, not unless they can leverage it to get money. Right. You know, uh, and like credit card companies have done well over the years in becoming very effective at recognizing unauthorized transactions and mm -hmm. you know it they they the price of a credit card like a stolen credit card number is nil you know these days it's only worth getting them if you can buy them by like you know the thousands because they'll get sh it gets yeah, shut down such so a short time yeah. uh, shelf life because they so people that's why ransomware has seen such a big spike because everybody wants to be on their computer yeah and well you don't you don't actually have to the information is not valuable to them, the money is, but the information is valuable to Makes you. Sense. All your pictures of your family and your kids and your pets and yeah. your screenplays and your all the stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they don't, they can't, they can't monetize that. They don't want to take your screenplay 
on a large scale. Yeah. They don't want to take your screenplay and try to go peddle it. Right. Right? They, they want your screenplay to be worth a lot of money to you, and they would rather you just pay them 200 bucks. Right. And if they can get millions of people to pay them $200. They're doing well. They're doing well. And they don't even have to, like, value the data. It's just an automated process. And so that's why ransomware is exploded so, um, because, you know, they just price it under what it would cost to, you know, restore from backup or to, you know, do things like that. Yeah. And, you know, just like, just they're smart business people. You know, they're just doing it down this this road makes sense so it's uh economically it makes sense yeah how do people protect themselves from something like ransomware other than don't click on but anymore i imagine Mm -hmm. if breaches are happening in these major companies let's say i go to brooks brothers to don't sue me brooks brothers for this example but i go to brooks brothers online to buy a hat or something Mm -hmm. and i click on that is is there something possible that that can be breached since those things happen and then the bad guys are like ah, she bought the one hat that is the hat that's going to shut down her computer, or is it doesn't work like that? No, not really. Um, so, I mean, there's a few a few different things kind of at play. Um, you know, if you've ever noticed when you go to a website, there it says HTTPS, and sometimes mm-hmm. it has a green lock, but it doesn't always have a green lock, but that's kind of like the S stands for secure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and without getting, you know, too, too technical, that just essentially means that you have a secure connection between you, your computer and whatever it says in the address bar. Mm. Now it's on you to make sure that you're at the real Brooks Brothers site and not just a site that looks like Brooks Brothers, that's Brooks Brothers with an extra O or something like that, right? Um, but if you have a lock there or it's HTTPS and to oversimplify, and it's the URL or the web address that you're actually wanting to be at, mm-hmm. then you have a secure connection. Um, and, you know, most likely there's no one going to be like intercepting that traffic or that conversation. There's always exceptions to the rule depending on where you're at and what network you're on. There's always exceptions, right? But generally, that's the general kind of, um, that's generally true. So since you, <laughs> Excuse me. Since you do this as a means of helping companies, mm-hmm. you, you know you you are paid to hack into systems to find their weaknesses, correct? Mm-hmm. And then you can report back and help them establish a better security force field. Right. Yeah. So who's to say there isn't some companies out there that are hacking into the systems just so that they can turn around and say, "If we got a deal for you, <laughs> we know you got hacked because we hacked you." Mm-hmm. I mean, does that must happen too? Or is that only in the movies? I know I have sort well, of Well, no. I mean, it's actually, you know, um, I mean, if you look at things like some of the big public hacks, like the Sony hack and stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know, that was largely targeted at stealing intellectual property, mm-hmm. right? Um, and there's a lot of state-sponsored things like that or things that happen from a, a competitive point of view in business of somebody has this proprietary information, you know, the recipe for Coca-Cola or, you know, something like that. It's, it's this business's secret sauce and it would greatly benefit another business or a competitor to have that information. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of uh, attacks that happen on that, on that front, right? Not just kind of the, uh, the general kind of ransomware, I don't want to say like petty criminals, but there's more um, sophisticated, you know, targeted attacks you know going on too and then there's obviously I mean you can't talk about that without saying like well all the Russia stuff like all the election interference and all the you know um, all those things are examples of very targeted attacks to you know I won't speculate on on why but it wasn't just to make a make a dollar yeah right what's fascinating to me about that is uh, with the Facebook interwoven within the hack it's that they're not just hacking Mm -hmm. information but they're actually putting information out there and that's a form of hacking Mm -hmm. of you know the sort of dog and pony show that takes place by ads or bots that are creating content that are in their own way that's a form of hacking right yeah well i mean you can 
It's a bunch of things. Like on one side, you could call it like propaganda, right? Yeah. But on the other side, you could call it a form of like social engineering, mm. right? They're trying to um, create a credible story mm-hmm. that can be that either uh, motivates people to some type of action mm-hmm. based on a result that they want, mm-hmm. uh, which is essentially what like a phishing email does. Mm-hmm. It's what advertisers do on television. Yeah. There's really not that much of a difference no. as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Yeah, there's really not. Uh, and in most cases, both parties are looking to monetize it. Mm-hmm. Just some are doing it legally and some are doing it illegally. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's a lot, you know, There's it's not wholly different than, like you said, uh, lots of things that that happen right in, in terms of business practices they people are thinking the same way people are wanting to be efficient people are wanting to um, get the most amount of profit for their effort you mm-hmm. know um, mm-hmm. they're running all the same numbers um, that, that businesses are and in the, in the same way a lot of um, good defensive security is increasing the cost of attackers to target you. How do you, how do you mean? Um, well, so some of that could be like having better security measures, um, but on a, on, a, on a large scale, you see a lot of things like if you keep your, your systems up to date, right? Um, some like exploit that's out there that ga- gives people access to your computer. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a. It doesn't work for, so for very long. You're talking about virus protection or updates that, that mm-hmm. you know you get the the constant updates on your computers and things saying do this, do that. How does one know that they're from the actual person that, like when I get a I when I have a Mac. Yeah. So every other day, update mm-hmm. your office or update your you know, whatever it is because there's a breach or there's a hole or we have to fix something. How do people know that that's actually coming from who it says it's coming from? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And as with everything in uh, IT and IT security, the answer can be nuanced. Um, but in a, from a general perspective, if it's um, for operating system updates, if it's coming through the App Store, mm-hmm. right, then it uses a, a set of certificates or signatures to verify on both sides that, you know, you are who you say you are. Right. Um, but, you know, there are plenty of you know, nefarious applications that would try to tell you that your computer has a virus or install right. these updates. Um, classic example of such things are like Flash Player updates. There's a huge, you know, um, if you remember Adobe Flash Player, it's kind of on its way out now. Which is good because it was, it was such the target of exploits, you know, and because it had a lot of bugs in it. But you would see a pop up, right? It was like you have a Flash Player update, and people would click it, and you know they would initiate the beginning of the end <coughs> for their uh, for their computer. Um, but gosh, I'm thinking like how many times I've clicked on something like that. Oh yeah. my gosh. But you know, um, there's there's things. It's hard to tell everybody these are the things you look for because... It's always different. It's kind of nuanced, right? Yeah. I mean, the goal is to make these things look as as, as similar as um, the real thing as possible. Sure. But um, both the operating systems like uh, Microsoft Windows and, say, Apple OS X and, you know, there's the whole Linux community too, but everybody's gotten better about um, making things more secure. So things have definitely you know, been linear in terms of better updates, you know, the, the, the exploits or problems that exist, they have a lot shorter time between when they surface and when they're patched. Mm-hmm. Unless um, the companies don't tell us that they've happened and then... <laughs> yeah, well, it's, you know, things are becoming more, more transparent, yeah. which kind of helps deal with that. Sure. I mean, you, you never really know. Yeah. If you're uh, if you're not on the inside inside. Yeah, it's funny you bring up certificates, and I can't even tell you how many times over the years I've gone, what the hell is a certificate? When you open up something that says warning, this certificate has not been authenticated. You know what? Yeah. What is this? What does this mean? Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people know what that means, and yeah. most people just say, ah, oh, we don't care, mm-hmm. and they keep going. But what is that? Yeah, um, I mean that's the that's the mechanism by which your computer verifies 
you're talking to who you think you are, mm. right? It's almost like an ID badge of sorts. Um, and it's generally, you know, frowned upon to click past those warnings because uh, that could be um, indicative of someone, it's what's called man in the middle in your connection, right? Mm. Um, so, because if you go to, you know, google.com mm -hmm. and you get your little lock HTTPS and you click on it and you look at the certificate, that certificate should be issued to google.com. Their name is going to be on that certificate and that kind of proves that there's a match there. So a lot of times those mismatches uh, happen when the certificate that you're given doesn't match the name that's actually on the website. Mm. So there's a, there's a disparity between the two and your browser's saying like, hey, it, you think you're going to this website, but this is not what their badge says. It says it's owned by a guy named Bob. Right, yeah, <laughs> uh, in New Hampshire, right? Oh, that's um, so interesting. So, so there's there's that whole that whole thing, and but sometimes it's okay um, because we could get into a long conversation about why your computer and browser actually trust the certificate that it does get, and there's a whole you know system of how those things you yeah. know certain companies are certificate authorities that have trust and they can issue certificates, and so browsers trust those certificate authorities and things are like chained together it's like a just like a chain of trust yeah right like sure. I trust what you said because I know you know we're friends with the same guy and right. he wouldn't lie to me sure and so it's like this kind of chain of trust um, that and it, essentially the same thing happens with you know a certificate trust yeah so in that chain but um, but the general guidance is don't click past those yeah. And or if you're if you are going to click past those, then you can click on the certificate and view it. You know, it's different depending on the browser. Yeah. Um, but and you can see the certificate and there'll be a name on it. Yeah. And make sure that the name is the same as the place but, you're going to. But can a, a bad guy put any name they want to on it if they want to? Um, Ideally. Well, they can't put any name they want to on it oh. because you have to. Um, if it's a trusted certificate, you know, i.e. Issue, issued from one of those certificate authorities, mm -hmm. and I go and say, hey, I want a certificate that says Google.com on it. They're going to say, okay, we'll prove that you own Google.com. Ah. And I can't do that. Right. Um, but I could maybe get, a, I mean, Google probably owns all these, but I could, you know, maybe get a certificate for Google.com with two L's. Right. And maybe because maybe I actually own that domain, right? Right, and then I could clone Google's site and create my own site that looks like Google, and then try to get someone to go there, and the certificate would match because it's actually the certificate for the real site, but it's not the actual website. It's Do a you fake, remember a bunch right? of years back? Uh, I think it was actually Google that let their domain lapse mm -hmm. for a hot minute, and a guy bought it. Yeah, there's an ex-employee from Google, so he kind of knew. He kind of had his eye on it. Um, but yeah, that type of stuff, uh, there can be administrative oversights <laughs> and that type of thing can happen. Sure. Um, especially when you're a company like Google and who knows how many domains they own. Yeah. You know, it's not just like you had one domain that you had to, and this was your one job. <laughs> yeah. It's like they you own had so one many. Job. Who, who knows? Who this knows how many? we can't have nice things. Yeah. Um, so it, it becomes a, it becomes an issue. Both the both the renewal of those domains and the renewal of those certificates. Right. Because they... It's a big pile of things to keep track of. separate. And, then. you know, there's ways to automate them and sure. stuff like that. But, um, yeah, so, it, can, it can become a problem, especially with small businesses that, you know, somebody else set it up at yeah. one point in time. It's not somebody's full-time job to manage it. Um, and so... Things slip through the cracks. Yeah. Yeah. Whether that's updates or yeah. all kinds of stuff. So. Well, and it used to be, I know that... Um, PCs were much more easily hacked than Macs. They said, oh, there are no viruses for Macs. Nobody cares about Macs. And now, of course, Mac is a huge industry, and that rule of thumb is no longer. Do you, in, in your research and line of work, do you find that it's getting neck and neck, or is it still PCs got the 
yeah I dominant mean, virus issue yeah I mean it's still um, on the whole you know Microsoft Windows systems are still at more risk but it's largely because they're still the dominant operating system in the marketplace so it's just smart business for the right. bad guy yeah I mean if you're if you're gonna spend your time um, are you gonna market to the really really small subset or are you gonna market to the big subset right you know it's like you want the most bang for your buck sure so if you're gonna you know develop this thing that breaks into a computer you would rather break into a million computers than a hundred computers it makes sense and so that's classically that's the biggest reason why you know Windows has had more problems um, and and they still run largely run the enterprise you know there's like creatives and education um, that you know, there might be a majority of Macs there. Mm-hmm. Um, but they know creatives have no money, so. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, but a lot of times there's even still an intermingling of, you know, I might have a Mac, but, you know, Apple doesn't make enterprise hardware anymore. Mm. There was a time where they made, like, Xserves and stuff like that. But now, so even if I have uh, an Apple MacBook Pro as my personal computer, if I'm in a business... Um, context and I'm accessing company resources Mm. it's most likely going to be on a Windows or a Linux server Um, but it's not going to be running OS X which is what Macs run because they don't they don't make enterprise hardware like that so what are the best virus protections now for the average bear on either a Mac and or a PC of your recommendations yeah I mean there's not it's better to have antivirus that's up to date for sure than it is to, to not have it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the um, whoever the leader is kind of changes. It's kind of a moving target. Mm. It's also not something that you want to put all your eggs in one basket. Um, you know, the stuff we do, we bypass antivirus all the time, you know. Um, oh, you mean you can hack right through it. Right, yeah, you can create. I mean, once again, there's it's always nuanced, but historically, um, endpoint or computer antivirus has worked based on signatures, Mm. right? So you have this engine, this database, and you take this bad stuff and you say, this is what the bad stuff looks like. If you see it, alert on it, right? So if it sees it, it can alert on it. But if it hasn't seen it before, Mm -hmm. if it doesn't match a signature that already exists within its database, then it can't alert on it. Um, So... That's multiple problems, right? Because something that's never been seen before, sure, it's not going to alert on yet. Yeah, and They're, hackers are a lot like, let's say, arsonists or something. They leave signatures, right? They are bombers. They they have a signature bomb they use, or a signature way to start a fire. Or hackers have a signature too. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes, but you know, a lot of times, if you take, uh, and more of what I'm talking about with the antivirus thing, but I'll address that question as well. Is you know, if you take a picture and you create a hash of it, mm-hmm. right, which is just a numeric value, um, and compare it to another hash of that same picture, the numbers are going to match. But if you change some stuff in that picture and alter the data, mm-hmm. then the hash is going to be different because it's just a calculation of that picture. So essentially, like historical antivirus, things are changing a little bit now, just use those signatures. So, you know... If I used some, you know, malicious payload or virus and, you know, it worked. But now they created a signature for it, so now it doesn't work anymore. So I'll go over here and I'll just change one thing. Mm. And now the signature's different. It's like the way a bug when you have the flu works. Then. Yeah, it's just like a, it's like a cat and mouse type thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, you can identify this now? Yeah. Well, now I'll change this so it, it doesn't match your profile anymore. Yeah. Uh, and then... So there's that kind of that cat and mouse game as well, mm-hmm. um, but in regards to like different hacker groups, a lot of times, you know, that's what they call attribution, mm-hmm. right? Um, they're just trying when so when something happens, say like uh, the DNC hacks, right? They're going through all these exercises to try to attribute like who did this, mm-hmm. you know, and. Um, they largely think that it was Russia that did it. And they have certain indicators that makes them think um, that it is Russia based on a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. Some of that's IP addresses, correlating this information with that information, but then also like certain tooling, 
right? Mm -hmm. um, so if you spend all your time developing a bunch of a set of tools to do a job, what you don't want to do is completely redo your tooling for each new job. That makes sense. Right? Sure. And so a lot of times how they attribute those types of attacks is the similar tooling that's used. Yeah. Um, once it's detected and they start digging in, they start you know ripping the code apart and the things that, um, the badness that was happening, they can sometimes see commonalities that was like, oh, a part of this was similar to a part of this. And, you know, mm -hmm. they start to draw lines, you know, sure. whiteboards and pieces of string and yeah. you know, those types of things, just like you would uh, see in the CIA movies. Yeah, trying to find the killer. It's really interesting. Um, you speak of the hacker groups, and that was something I wanted to talk about is uh, mm -hmm. Anonymous, for example, mm -hmm. one of the most famous hacker groups. Mm -hmm. What do you think about stuff like that? Is that those... I, as, under the assumption that Anonymous is trying to do right by the common man, mm -hmm. um, it's a pretty must be more than one guy or girl, oh, yeah, yeah. not to be sexist. It's definitely a collective, you know, and it's kind of you've seen like groups like that who would call themselves hacktivist, mm -hmm. right? You know, um, they're not after one specific thing. They have like a a social political agenda. Mm -hmm. Right. But a lot of those things started like when, you know, Anonymous kind of first came on the scene. A lot of those groups, one of their mottos was just like, they would do things for the lulls, right? They would just, just to, just for kicks. Yeah. You know, just they would do something that was funny. Yeah. They would deface a site, um, especially maybe a, a, a site or an organization that they disagreed with or maybe had been associated with marginalizing a certain group and they would deface it just, just to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, not to try to like just to show they can right and be, yeah uh, merry mischief makers yeah and say. just be trolls you yeah. know and just just to do it uh, but you know you see things now where they've started to align themselves with more more of a political agenda and it kind of you know but when you have a group of people and different people are doing different things all under the same umbrella you don't really have a consistent message. Yeah, a consistent message and a yeah. consistent like um, manifestation of their work. It kind of changes. And if they're from all, I assume Anonymous is all over the world, that the collective is probably all over the world, it's got to be much more harder to break into that, figure out who it is. And, right, yeah. 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 And um, it's hard not to get behind people that are trying to do right by the world too. But again, like you say, sometimes that agenda crosses into different territories yeah. Of not necessarily being for the common good, but yeah. for the good of whatever the hive mind at the time thinks. Right, yeah. I mean, that's that's obviously the the next logical question is, who decides what right. is what is good or what is worthwhile? And then, and, and if it is, um, you know, is it, do you fight fire with fire? Right. You know, so you, I mean, obviously you can get into some... Uh, moral and philosophical well that's why i think dilemmas there but. shows like um mr robot and black mirror and all those shows are so interesting because they do dig beneath the the rudimentary concepts and get into the mm -hmm. philosophical concepts yeah it's certainly a big question oh definitely um okay the bots that everybody talks about like the trolls you mentioned trolls especially on twitter and things like that those are all just little viruses that are are those actual people uh, I mean, there's a lot of them that are just bot accounts, right, that people have. And a bot is what? Um, well, I mean, usually it's, it's, um, it's, it's just created. Obviously, a person, like, wrote a bot, right? Mm -hmm. Wrote the code. Yep, and so that it will, you know, post certain things at certain times, and, you know, you can, some of it is just to follow, right? Mm -hmm. They'll use bots just as a monitoring tool, not to actually get a message out, but just to be able to monitor. Because mm -hmm. sometimes, based on privacy settings and things like that, you might not be able to see everything um, that you know Donald Trump tweets about unless you're his friend on Facebook or unless you follow him on Twitter or stuff like that, right? Yeah. And so um, sometimes... I follow him on MySpace. <laughs> right, yeah. And, and Friendster. And, oh my uh, God, I remember Friendster. And all those. <laughs> Poor Friendster. Aww. 
Um, but yeah, so you know, a lot of those things, it's uh, it's purely for collective purposes. People want people create bots to join Facebook groups because they want to be able to to scrape and aggregate that information. Yeah. Right. They don't actually want to participate. But then there's also the participatory bots as well. Like the uh, the most recent one I saw is someone wrote a a bot that would respond to spammers. So like if you're getting a spam email, you forward the spam email over to this email address and it's a bot and they will the bot itself will start having a conversation with the spammer with oh. with the goal of just like interesting sucking like the, up all their time. The Nigerian prince. Yeah. Yeah. And so they just have all these you know, they have some logic in there and also some canned responses to where it just, it'll carry on this conversation. Right. You know, the person responds, it'll respond back. The person responds and it does this indefinitely. Wow. And kind of the, I mean, it's kind of, um, you know, just for fun. Yeah. But it's kind of novel. Yeah. But it's also with the goal of, hey, it's like, if we can just take up more of these spammers time, it means less time they have to be, to be emailing other people. Right. Somewhere out there is the real Nigerian prince who's like, why won't anyone answer my email? I, I have all this money. I mean, that's what, that's what Michael Scott said, right? <laughs> if a Nigerian prince calls you and wants to give you money, you have to respond. You, know? <laughs> you never know. That's right. <laughs> um, oh, man. Okay, so we talked a little bit about what goes through a hacker's mind. Ideally, it's just about the quick gain. And yeah. I know that you gave a lecture. Um, well, I think, you know, I think it's, it's, it's to some degree important to make the distinction between, um, you know, a hacker, right? Which a hacker's not a, a negative term. Because you're a hacker. Right. You know, and it, it's just someone, it's essentially just someone who likes to tinker with things. I mean, you, you know, a, a common thing now is like biohacking mm. and life hacking and yeah. stuff like that. It's okay, essentially... Yeah. Um, just someone who likes to tinker with things to try to get a better result yeah. or maybe to use things in a way that they were not intended to be used. Um, it's kind of like the general, that's just what a hacker is. And yeah. so, but I think, you know, socially that it's, it's become like hackers are bad people, right? And there's been a connotation surrounding that. Um, but I don't think it's, it's, uh, it's definitely not necessarily the case. Do you, do you on your spare time, in your spare time, do you ever try and suss out who maybe some of the people in Anonymous are? I mean, is that something that a hacker would do, is try and figure out who some of these other hacker groups are? Do you, is there uh, a code that you just don't go messing around? Well, I mean, no, it just kind of depends. I mean, um, you know, I, I mainly do consulting-type engagements with other companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't necessarily have to de- defend a lot of, um, against a lot of attacks from, like, other groups. But, like companies like large companies who might come under targeted attacks they keep track of you know all the different hacker groups mm-hmm. you know and and who's a member of them and what they're doing and you know because there's there's a lot of them you know sure cult of the dead cow and you know there's a bunch I of them that that yeah is. there's <laughs> lots of them yeah you know apt 29 and you know all the rush the fa- fancy bear and you know there's a bunch of like mm-hmm. um hacker groups out there that, um, you know, big companies and people in the intelligence community keep, try to keep track of. You know, they want to keep tabs on. They want to know who people are. Well, and there's the dark web, too, right? Which yeah. I assume has some pretty oh, yeah. intense hacking situations going on in there. Yeah, and but all the way, you know, it's um, from, you know, digital mischief all the way to, you know, selling money and drugs and people and all you know yes. all because i mean essentially the dark web yeah, yeah you know yeah, they're just wanting to have uh do something under the, the yeah. cloak of anonymity right right um so all kinds of things happen there that are not necessarily have anything to do with um computer hacking other than that's the medium by which they're talking sure. about the things is using computers so for the average bear not the Russian bear that you were talking about. Yeah, not, the, the, not the fancy ones. Not the fancy bears, but the average bears. Uh, is there any type of resource, uh, reading material that they might read that would give them, to make them feel more empowered? I think that a lot of people, just in my everyday experience of having conversations with mm-hmm. folks about this type of stuff, people are really scared. They're scared after the Equifax thing. 
people are very scared that their information is now floating around. What does that mean? What what will happen? Can you recommend something for to ease people's minds, or are they as are they? Is there a good reason to be terrified? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it. Um, I don't think there's necessarily reason to be scared, but it, I mean, if you think about the internet as a city, mm-hmm. and maybe you know a metropolitan city where there's good parts of town, there's bad parts of town. And if you know you're in a bad part of town, it, one, it serves you well to know you're in a bad part of town. And you can act different when you're in a bad part of town than you would if you're out in the suburbs maybe, right? Mm-hmm. Where you might leave your door unlocked. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of it is just knowing those types of things, right? And trying to steer clear of the bad parts of town mm-hmm. if you can. Mm-hmm. Especially if you don't know how to navigate the bad parts of town, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's very analogous to those type of situations that everyone will be, you know, who's ever you know been in in a city, will, will know about because every city has better and worse parts of town, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but what good is it to steal all the Equifax? I mean, what are you going to do with you know what two hundred fifty million, three hundred million people in America? So uh, I mean, a hundred, so a hundred million people were mm-hmm. breached or more. What are you going to do with all that info if sell it off to somebody that is uh, yeah I mean everybody's you know most of those people are I mean there's some people out there that are just doing it you know because they can as I say for the lulls yeah you know they just steal it and then they'll just dump it out on the internet yeah um but they probably have some some agenda right because they might view some company as evil corp or something like that you know they're wanting to strike back um did you get breached in that one Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody's stuffs in there. Yeah, yeah. Every every adult, you know, that yeah. every United States adult is probably is probably in there, whether whether you wanted to be or not. Yeah. Um, that but it's not worry, the, though. But it's not. It's it's not the only. I mean, there's a cool website. Um, a guy named Troy Hunt maintains it called Have I Been Pwned. dot com, and you can it's a website. You put in an email address, and it tells you if that email address has been in any breaches. Really? Pwned? Yeah. P-O-N-E-D, I assume? Yeah, P-W-N-E-D. P-W-N-E-D. Have I been pwned? Yeah, oh. have I been pwned. Okay. Um, and it's a... Sounds so dirty. <laughs> I know, right? But he's a, you know, he's a real you know, respected guy in the security community, but mm-hmm. he maintains like all these data dumps that happen. So when millions and millions of, probably close to a billion, Yahoo accounts get leaked, or when MySpace information got yeah. leaked and when LinkedIn information got leaked and et cetera, et cetera. Last FM, you know, all, all the things. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, it'll show you all if your this email address was in this breach. This email address was in this breach. Wow. And this breach contained name and email address. This breach contained um, you know, usernames and unsalted password hashes. And you know, it, so it kind of gives you a little bit of um, data on what the actual breach contained and if you were affected. So sure. it's, a, it's a helpful resource. Yeah. Um, because but you I can mean, know. then what? Then you just take a deep breath and say, well, me and a billion other people. Or, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do other than watch your accounts, be careful, and yeah. if somebody tells you that they met someone with your exact same name but looks nothing like you, then maybe that's a red flag? Or? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that it'll begin to change things for the better, but you know, for, so for like some of the breaches that included like a username and a password, mm-hmm. obviously the first question you should be asking yourself is, aside from changing that password and making Immediately. sure, is was I reusing that password at any other accounts or at any other websites? Because mm-hmm. if you are, that's bad news because mm-hmm. you better believe everyone who has a copy of that data is now going around and trying your username or email address and password at a bunch of other websites that everyone mm-hmm. uses. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's, but if you're not sharing your passwords across Most people different do, accounts, though, let's be honest. Yeah, they do, unfortunately. But stop that. Stop okay, that's that. good advice. So stop that. Yep. Don't use the same password for all your stuff. Yeah, Change never. Change it up. Use a, use a good password manager. Um, and, but uh, what happens if the password manager gets breached? <laughs> well, I mean, there's obviously, uh, you know, people in the biz would uh, say oh, it depends on your threat model, right? Yeah. But um, on the whole, you're going to be a lot more secure if you use a reputable password manager 
and just remember one long password or passphrase and you store all your other passwords in there yeah and you can have access to it you know through through multiple means you know all the good ones have a good app for your phone yeah. and an application for your computer etc et i have friends that use passwords that are passages from books that they love and all sorts yeah. of wacky things i guess that's pretty smart it's it's um it's better than password one as your password but um if it is a really common phrase then it's not that great because you know those will end up in a word list somewhere because mm -hmm. they're super common phrases that right like the title of books, the title of um, songs, hit songs, things that people, sayings, catchphrases, stuff I like that. I am awesome. It's a bad password. <laughs> yeah. But it's better than, you know, the password of password. Yeah. But, you know, optimally you want to make them as long and as random as possible. Yeah. So if you chose, like, you know, three or four random words then that's a lot better because they're probably never going to end up in a in a word list like that. Yeah. Right? Because that's kind of how passwords if people have an encrypted version of a password that's like hashed um, then that's typically how they get cracked or exposed. Mm. Uh, you know, cuz there's there's at least two different um, versions of complex, right? right. One is like complex in terms of mathematically, like if a computer just tries to like brute force it yeah. and guess it. But then there's also like, is it super common? You know, do you live in Nashville and is your password Nashville? Do you love the Titans and your password is Titans123? Or, you know, so those types of things are gonna end up in like a word list and they're just gonna like hash that password and compare it to yours. Is it the same? Mm. Hash this password, you know. I mean, just to prove that, I can think of at least half a dozen of my close girlfriends who, under suspicion that their then boyfriends were cheating, managed to break into their computers by, you just, know, in yeah. just like 20 minutes figuring out their passwords. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's really, uh, it's bad, the fact that people choose such easy passwords. Such easy passwords, because it's really easy to guess. I mean, most um, engagements that we perform we're always able to guess passwords. Really? To people's corporate accounts. Interesting. Always, without fail. Because people always use... The same thing. Yeah, or you know... Or the um, obvious thing. Yeah, uh, what is this? This is November? November 2017. That's someone's password at 80% of companies in the US. Right, because they're told to change their password every month, and so then yeah. they just do what's easy. Yeah. Um, you know, winter, winter 2017. Yeah, you know, it's that's someone's password everywhere. Yeah, um, without fail, things like that, things in that family, you can easily guess. Isn't that interesting? And there's programs that can help break through that stuff really quickly too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I yeah. imagine it's not too hard to find that. No, it's really. Uh, I mean, <laughs> but the other thing, other than you know, choosing a choosing a complex password that you can remember, it doesn't. You know, like I said, I think the the easiest passwords to remember that are still. Um, acceptably complex are like random words you know mm -hmm. you know table monitor ice bob you know just like choose some they're not yeah they don't make any sense together but they're just they're just random words right and you can uh they're easy to remember they're not like you know six nine underscore dollar right. sign and then like 13 characters of that Right. Um, like the, the passwords that come on the routers that make you insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But those are actually good. You know, that, that's actually a step forward because previously um, they would just all be the same. They oh. would be like admin, admin, mm. username, admin, password, admin, or username, password, and I mean, username, admin, and password blank. Yeah. Um, and so that's how you get things like um, botnets, <laughs> you know, because... If you remember the uh, Mirai botnet mm -hmm. um, that like brought down a bunch of websites because they like, you know, performed like a denial of service attack against mm -hmm. them and like pretty much overloaded them with um, traffic. Oh yeah, so that's they right. Shut yeah, down. Yeah. Shut the yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, most of that is because of routers and 
cameras and DVRs that have some default set of sure. credentials so people across the internet are getting access to them. Well, it's interesting now because a lot of the websites, if you log out and you try to say, oh, you use, if you're changing your password, you used that password six months ago, mm-hmm. pick a different password. So I guess they're, they're being better about telling people, no, no, don't go to the old standby, do something yeah. new. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah, a lot, they're doing better. I mean, the other thing, aside from just choosing a better password that's not crazy, simple, and weak, is you know turn on multi-factor authentication oh, everywhere, yes. everywhere. That, that means what you get a text as well, or yep. You know there there's a bunch of different ways, but it's essentially um, you have to provide a password in addition to something else. Yeah. You know uh, a lot of times it's like SMS text. Sometimes um, there are applications like Google Authenticator or Duo that you can, you know, when you first turn it on, it'll give you like a QR code or something to scan with mm-hmm. your phone. Mm-hmm. And that stores, you know, the secret in your phone mm-hmm. so that every time you log in, it asks you for a code and your phone, you know, generates a code and you put it in. And that way, if someone knows your password or guesses your password, they can't get in unless they also have your unlocked phone. Right. Right, which is... And your finger to open it. Right, or whatever. Your face <laughs> depends, right? Yeah. Um, so that's... in Most most companies and most uh, social media companies and accounts support those things now. So do, is it smart to log off of everything and re-log on every time? Or can you leave stuff logged in on your computers? Or Yeah, I mean, it's, there's a spectrum, right? It's obviously safer to log out. Um but it's not, I wouldn't say it's unsafe to stay logged in. Okay. Uh, but it, it mainly depends on your computer. Sure. Right? Uh, for, for instance, if I always maintain control of my computer, well, then it doesn't really matter. Right. But if everything's all the time logged in and my computer gets compromised, well, then... Then there's a problem. Then there's a big problem. Right. So, it's once again, it kind of depends on your, your threat model or how paranoid you are. Um, but, um, you know, it, it would be technically less risky to log out. Yeah. Um, but, like, the go-between is to say, like, yeah, like, keep me logged in, but don't remember my password. Mm. You know, like, because I don't want the password to be stored in the browser. I just want you to issue me a token that's good for a certain amount of time, and then it'll, it'll expire. Mm. And once it expires, I'll log in again. So, you know, don't, don't remember my password in the browser, though. That always freaks me out when I go to log into something that I thought I was still logged into, and it says, please log in. I think, is this really the site? What's happening right now? Why did they kick me off? Mm -hmm. I was logged in. But I guess that's why it expires. It's good to know. Yeah, it's mainly a security measure Mm -hmm. so that, like, you don't get up. Um, But it's also just a, uh, I mean, computer power has gotten so much better, but Classically, it was also like a load on their server, mm. you know, disconnect sessions that are no longer in use so that we don't have to support the resources. That makes sense. You know, if you never expire any one session and everyone connects and then walks away or leaves it up in their browser or whatever, then you end up with all these sessions and it kind of grows and grows and grows and mm-hmm. sucks your resources, mm-hmm. affects the performance of people who are actually wanting to use it yeah. in the moment. Super fascinating. So, well, thank you so much. This has been fascinating. I've learned a lot. I'm gonna go change all my passwords. Although mine are kind of complicated, but I feel yeah. like I use a lot of the same ones. So I right. shouldn't say that on the air. But yeah. now you've heard it. I'm changing them all. It doesn't matter. Those unique passwords and two-factor authentication—they're probably the lowest barrier to entry for for people that just want to be a little more secure. Secure, yeah. Because um, there's really no no cost yeah. especially since almost everyone has a smartphone yeah. of, of some sort these days mm-hmm. um, you are you already kind of have the uh, the ability to turn it on yeah <clears throat> and it's it's worth the it's worth the added inconvenience is there a password prote- uh, maintaining thing before we sign off that you recommend um there there's some good ones i mean i use one password which is like the number 1 in the word password mm-hmm. um, because i primarily use uh you know, Apple Apple products. And that's an app, I assume. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, they have, you know, a web app, and they have apps for all the, the stuff. And it's they, they support Windows, too. But yeah. they started as a Mac-specific mm. solution. Yeah. 
But there's some good ones. I mean, they all have... Um, they all have... Some of them have had problems in the past, but Key Pass is a decent one. You know, I think Dash Lane is decent, and Last Pass is good, and... So there's a few. Yeah, there's yeah. there's there's some good ones. If you just uh, Google the best password manager... Google with only two O's, though. That's right. <laughs> stay, stay with the herd. You'll... Uh, <laughs> You probably won't go too far, yeah. too far off the path. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for helping protect everyone that's listening. Hey, we do what we can. Yeah. One step at a time, baby steps. Absolutely. Bye, everybody.